This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. When I started this podcast, one of the goals was to tell the stories of American soccer from a different angle or a different perspective. And some of you might remember listening to my interview with Christian Pulisic's dad, Mark. And that was at a time when everybody was trying to interview Christian himself. And I don't know if it was the club that was turning everybody down or his agents or who it was, but basically Christian became off limits. And I had the idea to interview his dad instead, and it actually ended up being a pretty cool interview. Well, this entire time that I have been monitoring, I guess you could say, the U.S. men's national team, I've always wanted to interview people that are intimately involved with the national team. But getting those interviews is not the easiest thing in the world to do. And I've interviewed other people from U.S. soccer before. I've actually been emailing back and forth with some of them uh, right now about some coaching education stuff. And there's just some difficult hoops to jump through. So I wanted to still be able to tell some of the story, but not have to go through some of the hoops. So I decided to interview Ian Sarakin, which is Dave Sarakin's son. And he has a very, very, very unique perspective when it comes to not only the men's national team, American soccer, Major League Soccer, but just life and soccer in general. So growing up in the spotlight or just outside of the spotlight is a pretty interesting place to be in, and it shapes you in a certain way. And it was really cool to get a chance to catch up with Ian. Actually, I shouldn't say catch up because it was the first time I ever talked to him. Um, but it was it was great to get a chance to talk with Ian and to hear a little bit of his side of the story. And I hope that you enjoy listening to that as well. Uh, just a reminder that this podcast is brought to you by 343 Coaching and the coaching education programs that we offer there. Um, 343coaching.com, sorry. Uh, you can go to 343coaching.com and find our premium membership or our free membership, both of which are loaded with content for you. And if you are brand new to us, it's probably best that you start with the free content because we want to make sure that we are a good fit for you. And the free course is a good place to start and kind of dip your toes in the water and get a feel for how we do things, who we are, what we talk about. And yeah, and when you are ready, if you are ready, if you ever become ready, you can always sign up for the premium course, which is a much deeper dive into the 343 methodology. Um, okay, with that, I am going to transition into today's episode. So I hope that you enjoy this conversation with Ian Zarekin. You ready? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm going to hit record right now. 
cool. All right. Well, let's uh, let's start with the probably the most obvious question and probably what people are most interested or going to be most interested in, in hearing about, but what is it like being the national team coach's son? It's definitely uh, stressful, I would say, um, even though, you know, the games that, that are being shown now are just friendlies. Uh, there's still such a, a sense of pressure in that position that, uh, you know, it reverberates through, through us as his family members, but, um, you know, also it's, uh, a, a lot of pride, um, you know, being able to see him coach against the teams that he's, he's been able to in the past 11 months and, and also, you know, the managers that he's matched up against. So, um, you know, it's been, it's been pretty special, pretty unique. Yeah, and you put out a, a tweet after the game that was played on September 11th against Mexico, and that was actually the first time that I had ever come across anything from you, man. I'm going to be completely honest and transparent about uh, transparent about that. That was my introduction to you was was your tweet saying how special it was to be able to watch your dad coach the team on that day, and it kind of resonated with me and made me made me realize like yeah like these are people like the, these are humans and, and you had kind of mentioned in that tweet as well that you know a lot of the stuff around the u.s men's national team tends to be negative and people are always complaining and and, and things like that and so that made me really want to reach out to you and and get your side of of the story not necessarily that there's you know all kinds of different sides of the story but you obviously have a unique perspective when it comes to watching the team, especially today. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. And I, I don't know how often maybe you get to talk about that on a, on a stage, you know, where, where, you know, quite a few people might listen. So that that's, mm-hmm. that was the reason for, for reaching out to you. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, I've, as I've gotten older and been around my dad's career, you know, the other thing I've realized as you kind of just alluded to is the fact that, um, you know, we often criticize people in positions such like my dad has, whether it's a manager of any sport, of any team. And uh, it's easy to do that from, you know, behind a keyboard or somewhere else. And you do forget sometimes that these are human beings and people with families. Um, and, you know, I think that ultimately where we are as a federation and a national team and, and ultimately soccer in this country, I guess, is, you know, I don't think that's ever indicative of the national team manager or quite frankly, even the national team itself. Um, so, you know, for me, that tweet was, uh, was something that I had been, you know, just kind of came to me like, you know, there is so much negativity, but then you remember that there's so much pride and so many special moments that, uh, take place if you're part of the national team. And even if you're just watching it as a fan, um, you know, and obviously September 11th resonates for so many of us. And it all kind of just, you know, made me made me a little emotional, to be honest with you. And um, it was a, it was a special special day, um, even though ultimately the game means nothing in the grand scheme of things. Um, but I thought that uh, there was a lot more positivity out of that day for me than than negativity, definitely. That's awesome, man. That's awesome to hear you hear you talk about it, and and just the way that you talk about it is, I again, I I think what people want and and probably are going to look forward to hearing. Um, 
but this isn't anything that's really new to you. I mean, your dad being in charge of the national mm-hmm. team is, is new, but your dad being in, sure. in, in the limelight is something that you have to be kind of used to now after him having such a, you know, a, a long career in coaching in the United mm-hmm. States. And when we'll get into to your experience too, but, but when, I guess maybe, maybe a good jumping off point might be like, when, when did you realize that your dad was, was into something a little bit different than, than most coaches, I guess. Like he's, he wasn't your average yeah. AYSO coach, right? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Yeah. You know, I, obviously I was pretty in tune with the fact that he was, uh, coaching at a, a relatively high level, even when I was young and he was or the less was, was even a thing. So, you know, and then as his career grew and I got older and I was able to see him coach at DC United and, you know, win a championship, you know, that was special, but you know, 2002, when he was part of that world cup, uh, run that the U S had in South Korea and, and being able to be there, uh, you know, that's for me when I was like, okay, this is, this is something a little bit different. Um, and I think his career trajectory from there, obviously, you know, speaks for itself. He's been a, a part of a lot of successful teams and franchises. And um, Okay, sorry for this interruption, but while Ian and I were recording, we ran into a little bit of sound trouble, and I had to cut this portion of the interview out because the call kept dropping. And I don't know if it was because of me or because of him. doesn't matter, but I tried to steer things back to where we left off, and Ian picked up from the 2002 World Cup. So here is where we got back on track. T- 2002, and your dad is with the national team. Sorry, you're uh, right. Yeah, yeah, no, that's no, okay. Yeah, so let's uh, let's take it from there. Okay, perfect. Yeah, no, so um, you know, obviously 2002, um, being part of the World Cup team uh, that had that run that still you know resonates with so many u.s soccer fans and obviously beating poor korea and you know beating mexico at at that stage is is something you don't forget and so you know from that point forward i really i really kind of was aware that his career probably wasn't going to be just your normal run-of-the-mill coach who is quote-unquote a lifer and even though he's done this his more or less his entire life I, i felt that um there were some special things that were going to be ahead for him and for us and that I would, you know, be along for the ride to, to experience. So that really was the moment when I, I had a feeling that, you know, this was going to be something special. At what point did you start to take notes, I guess, is a question that I have burning in my brain because you're sure. you're a coach now. Yep. At, at, at what point did you realize, like, hey, like, this could be for me too? You know, it's funny because growing up, it, and I was so focused on playing that I never thought about, okay, am I going to want to coach when I'm done playing? And is that his thing? Is that my thing? I didn't give it too much thought, to be honest with you. But what I realize now as I'm coaching is that throughout my whole youth around his teams and teams that he was a part of, I, I was subconsciously taking these mental notes and, and I, a lot of it's come back full circle now when I'm dealing with situations and you know, memories pop up. And so um, I'm really grateful for the time I was able to spend around his teams. You know, I don't know how normal that is in other sports. And obviously the MLS was so much in its infancy um, at the time that he was really getting into it, that I was able to just be around and and be a sponge without even knowing it. So 
um, you know, from day one, it's, it's been experience after experience that I've been able to, to keep, keep memory of and, and pull upon when I need it. And so it's, you know, I'm very, I feel very fortunate for having those experiences. Man, that's the, the way that you answered that. It, it makes me wonder the and and specifically the way you said, like pull upon it when you need it. So how, how are you different or how are you similar from the way that you grew up seeing things or the way that your, your dad did things like, or do you do things completely different? Are you, are you very, you know, very much in line with, with what you grew up seeing? I'm, I'm mm-hmm. curious how, how your sessions might look. Yeah. You know, I, I think obviously I'm cut from the same mold that, that he, he is both philosophically and, you know, uh, the way his leadership style is, we're, we're very similar in that regard. Um, and obviously I've been around different coaches and mentors throughout my career. Um, you know, guys who I've played with. So from that aspect, I have some different experiences, uh, where maybe there's influence here or there. Um, but ultimately, you know, I feel like we're, we're quite similar in how we see the game. We're quite similar in how we evaluate players and, you know, we're not the same, but, uh, a lot of things that we, you know, value in, in a team and being a leader. You know they're they're quite similar, and I think that uh, I think that for me the way I've been able to see his career grow and his influence on players and other people he's worked with, you know I'm happy that that's the case. Uh, I don't I don't try to be different just to be different. You know um, some people might find it hard to be a coach's son, uh, you know who's had some success. And so for me I I think it's it's been a great template in that way. It's kind of funny when you think about it in like American soccer, like through the American soccer lens where, you know, when the, at the time your, your dad was going through, you know, MLS when, when MLS was first starting and even still to this day, I think you could make the argument that, you know, MLS players, coaches, admins, owners, whatever, are not like celebrity status like they are in, in other countries. Like if Pep walks down the street in, in Manchester, like everybody knows who that guy is. Right. Yeah. And, and this yeah. isn't a dig on your dad at all, but, but this is the American soccer landscape. Like when Dave walks down the street and if you're, if you're a little boy with him, like he, he's just walking down the street and, and he's just a, another guy. Right. So it's yeah. a, yeah. It, it's kind of a, a, a different way of, of going about it. And I totally lost my train of thought with what I was actually going to ask after making that statement. But <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah no that's okay it, it is look it's, it's it's very different you know you don't have the you don't have the burden of celebrity that you do as a coach and well maybe now it's a little different but especially when he was a head coach in Chicago and an assistant coach um you don't have the burden you do that you might in other sports I mean obviously when he was working with teams that had David Beckham and Robbie Keane and Landon and these guys you know there was more of a microscope on it but not really on him he was just a part of it so um, yeah, it, it definitely gave, gave you a little more flexibility, like I was saying, and in, in how much you could be around and, and how, how access was quite frankly, unlimited. Um, if you were part of that inner circle, if you will. Yeah. Um, man, I'm, I'm, I'm really curious. I want to know more about, about you and about your playing career and how, that transition into your own coaching career. I'm, I'm really fascinated by, you know, the, the doors that either 
you know, got unlocked by your dad, not necessarily by your dad, but, but just, you know, the, the doors that you went through, I guess is, is a good way to put it because I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to make this all about, you know, living in the shadow of, of Dave. <laughs> I, I think that, I think sure. that you have a story yourself and, and I want to dig a little bit into that too. So tell me a little bit about your playing career. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I grew up obviously a little bit in Virginia, a little bit in, in the Chicago suburbs. So played club soccer, uh, high school soccer in both areas, uh, played a little bit for the soccers and then FC United in Chicago. And then, uh, went to school at the university of Illinois, Chicago, where I played for John Trask, who's now the coach at uh, university of Wisconsin. He had spent uh, quite a number of years in MLS. So he was a pretty experienced coach. And, um, you know, like everybody, I had dreams of, uh, playing in, in major league soccer or in Europe or whatever. And, um, had a couple trials with, a couple of MLS teams, a couple of USL teams. And, you know, for me, um, I, I felt when I didn't really see a path professionally, I felt pretty secure in that I was happy with how my, the bulk of my playing career, you know, went. And uh, I, I was okay with stepping away from the playing side and obviously wanting to still be attached, but um, not chasing that dream for the next 10 years was, was definitely, uh, you know, not what I wanted to do and, and wanted to try to influence it in other ways. And, um, you know, kind of parlayed that into uh, a job opportunity with a sports agency where I spent a couple of years and then, you know, realized I needed to be back on the field. And, and that's where I felt most at home. And, you know, for anybody who's been a part of a team in a locker room and you can't replicate that. And, and if that's something that you love, then it's something that you need, need to do and find ways to get back there. And, and so that's what that's ultimately what I, I decided to do when I when I was done playing. Yeah, and for anybody that's been part of a sports agency, they know that 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 doesn't even compare to the joy that you get <laughs> on the field. So, <laughs> no, 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 not at all. You know, you love you love the relationship that you build through that, but at the end of the day, you know, you're in an office, you're trying to just watch and hope guys do well, and and that's great, and it's for some people. Don't get me wrong, but. Uh, I knew, I knew pretty quickly that it wasn't the, the route I wanted to go long term. So what was your first coaching job? So I got, uh, I got actually back into the academy um, with the LA Galaxy. Uh, you know, again, being Dave Sarakin's son, you're given um, at least an opportunity to, to talk to people and get doors open for you, which I, I'm totally uh, okay with saying because it's, Otherwise, you know, you, you sometimes chase your tail and, and you can't find ways in. So I was, I was uh, given a chance to be an assistant coach with the U14 and U17 uh, academy groups with the Galaxy. Spent, uh, spent a couple of years doing that, uh, which, was, which was great just to get my feet wet and um, get into coaching. And, and then from there, you know, my, uh, one of my other mentors who coached me in college, as I said, John Trask, was at Wisconsin and needed an assistant and, uh, you know, called and asked if I'd be interested to, to get into the college game. And so for me, you know, seeing that as another experience, a different level, um, it was really exciting. So I jumped, jumped at that chance and moved to Madison for, for two seasons and really, really had a good time, uh, getting acclimated to college soccer and recruiting and all these other things that I had never done, you know, and, um, being able to do it with, with and for John was, was a great, opportunity um and then uh you know from there like everything opportunities present themselves in, in unique ways and we were back in california after that that time in wisconsin and santa clara uh was open as an assistant job and 
again, you know, through mutual connections. As as we all know, this this world, soccer world, is quite small. Was able to to get in, get my name in the in the in the hat for that job, and now I'm uh, halfway through my third season there. And it's our, our record and our couple of years we've had have been a little rough, but the the overall experience has been you know fantastic, fantastic. Man, it's the the way. Yeah, the way that you described it is is perfect. Like the soccer world is is incredibly small. So just like I'm just trying to you know do the like the six degrees of separation type thing, and it's like okay, so yeah, you played here, your dad is this person, and you also know this person, and then you <laughs> went and coached here, here, and here, and and it's just the the way that you can you know trace back the lines is is amazing in American soccer, and and you could say amazing in, in a good way, and you can say amazing in a bad way too. Like there there's different sure. takes on it. So um, yeah. And, and there's one other thing that I, I want to go back to. And, and you mentioned that, you know, having, having the ability to, you know, get that head start, um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you recognize that, that that was, you know, a real thing for you. Like, Hey, like I needed yeah. a coaching job and, and this happened for me and, and you, uh, you didn't sound like you were apologetic at all. I'm not trying to say that you should or, or that you sounded like it, but, um, sure. but it's something else that came up in an, in another podcast that I recorded recently with somebody named Kai Edwards, who's also a, mm-hmm. a college coach. And, and he said that, you know, there's no, there's no problem with, and I believe if I remember right, we were talking about privilege and, and he's mm-hmm. like, there's no, there's mm-hmm. no problem with having privilege or connections or anything like that. It's, mm-hmm. but it's what you do with them or, or how you give back after, after you utilize a, a, a connection or an in or, uh, or something like that. So, um, yeah. I'm, I'm curious if you were, if you were conscious of, of those types of things as you were going through that, you know, that job search or, or that process of, of getting into coaching and, and, if you have, you know, have you, have you given back or, or reached out to other people to kind of extend the same courtesy? And I don't mean that in a demeaning way. I don't want that to sound bad. Like saying it yeah. out loud kind of sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. I totally get it. Yeah. Look, I've talked to people about this before and, um, you know, I definitely don't apologize for being kind of, I guess, given, if you will, opportunities, because at the end of the day, you know, if you're a bad coach and you're given opportunities, you're, you're not going to last. You know, and, and, and I, am I a finished product? Absolutely not. But I, I feel as though I do a good job in the environments that I've been uh, fortunate enough to have a chance to work in. And, and so that, you know, that becomes self-filling after a while. So, um, yeah, no, I think that, I think that privilege, uh, in sports and anything in business, when you're given chances, there's nothing wrong with that because of connections or family or who you know or whatever. Uh, but again, you have to do something with that because if, if you don't, then, you know, you get weeded out pretty quickly. Um, so, you know, for me in terms of giving that back, as you said, I, I have a lot of friends, uh, you know, peers who are my age now and uh, whether it's they're looking for jobs and I might know a person, I'm always happy to connect, you connect people because I think, what what happens is you never know where those conversations are going to lead. If they're they're going to get a job, if it's going to allow them to to you know build a network for themselves, and you know why why keep that for yourself? That's part of the that's the best part about you know being able to build a network and have people that you can you call upon and, and share that. So no, I think it's I think it's something that at some at some levels people want to keep that for themselves, but in in my perspective, it's it's got to be, you know, shared out and, and given around. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And and one piece of advice I, I'd like to give on this podcast, I can't tell you how many times I've 
I've mentioned it, but like just being able to go and watch other people train. Like if, if yeah. somebody shows up to Santa Clara and Hey, like I coach for so-and-so in Santa Cruz or so-and-so in, um, you know, San Jose, can I, can I watch your training session? Like just, just being able to reach out to, to other coaches and network in that way and go and watch a training session is super beneficial. And, and, um, I kind of joked with you earlier today in an email, like, or maybe it was yesterday. Like when I first reached out to you to ask you to come on this podcast, you responded, not immediately, but pretty quickly. And I was like, Oh, Whoa, like, you know, that, that was pretty cool. And then, and then a couple of days go by and, and, and then you mentioned like, Hey, sorry, I didn't get back to you. I'm like, no dude, like you were, that was awesome. Like you responded right away. Like, and, and I feel like that just being able, you know, to reach out to you and, and to start a conversation and then to have this conversation is, is quite amazing to be honest, Ian. And, and there are a lot of people that, that do shut the doors and mm-hmm. it was very refreshing knowing that you are, are now knowing that, that you're not one of those people. So I, I, <laughs> I guess it's more of a statement than a question, but no, yeah, I, I appreciate that. I mean, look, I, I, um, I've learned from specifically my dad and Bruce, uh, arena when, you know, they, they're for me, two of the biggest people I look to as a, as a guide and, um, some have all someone calls and wants to come see training i've and i've been around both of them my whole life and i've never once heard them say no not today you know they're why not you know it's it doesn't hurt anybody yeah it's so true um man i i didn't even intend on, on bringing it up but you, you, you've, you've known Bruce for a, a long ass time too. Like, like not, not just watching right. your dad, but you've, you've watched Bruce for, for, you know, two decades. Yeah. I mean, Bruce, my dad and Bruce were working together when I was born. So, uh, that goes back to, you know, 1988. So, and they've been working together since 80, 84, 85. So, uh, yeah, look, I mean, my dad, obviously, and then being able to be around, the most successful U.S. manager uh, we've ever we've ever had, both domestically and internationally. So, yeah, it's uh, you know, it's funny how things kind of stars align and and things work out that just by happenstance, uh, those two ended up spending so much of their careers together, and and you know, I was able to to be to be a fly on the wall for so many so many moments. I think a lot of people have you know beat the horse beyond death now about talking <laughs> Trinidad and Tobago, but they've, they've all, yeah. they've all talked about, they've all talked about Bruce and they've all talked about the players and they've talked mm-hmm. about Sunil and they've talked about change and all this other stuff. Right. Sure. Yeah. I'd be, I'd be really curious to know like what your first reaction was watching that game that night, because you're, you're watching somebody that you've watched your entire life, Bruce arena. Right. And then you're also mm-hmm. watching your dad, and you're also watching players that you, I'm assuming, have you know some type of a relationship with. Um, yeah. What What was your first reaction that night? <laughs> oh, it was uh, it was definitely you know like for many of us it was it was hard to watch and and literally gut wrenching. You know, I was I was in a bad, in a bad. Um, you know, it's hard to watch because as as we started the podcast with you know these are human beings still. And, uh, you know, just like anything, there's, there's chance and luck and all these things that go along with performance. And 
you know, when you're on the wrong side of something as, as dramatic as that was, it, it is hard to put into words. And you do take a step back and realize that you, it's more of you just feel bad for everybody involved because it, it's now something they have to live with. And, uh, you know, these things happen in sports. I, I don't know. There's no explaining it, really. But, uh, yeah, it was it was tough. It was really tough. And then to watch everything unfold after that, like that, that was, yeah. I, I'm the, I'm about the same age as you. I was born in, in 1987 and okay. I, I can't remember a more like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like there was just so <laughs> many things that came to the surface between uh, October and, and I guess you could say still, right. So, but, but mainly, yeah but mainly up until that election that happened in February of 2018, like just so much stuff started to surface and yeah. like you've pointed out. Uh, and I think everybody has kind of noticed like most of it negative. Um, yep. most of it probably misunderstood. Um, and, and having the perspective that, that you've been fortunate to have, like kind of like this, insider that's not that's not really you know in the public eye but you know all the players and, and you know you, you're, you're able to see it just from a different angle than most people I'm curious if if anything like really jumped out at you like wow like you know the people are picking up on something that is a problem or they're making something that's a you know that's a small problem into a bigger problem or that's not a problem at all I'm, I'm, I'm really curious yeah, yeah. If, if anything you know during that during that time after after that um tragic night that we've all beaten to death um happened <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah no i think that's a good question i mean i think there is there have been so many different angles that uh, have been approached on on what's wrong right what's wrong with everything and uh you know I, i'm in a in a job now where a lot of my responsibility is you know uh watching development of players across this country and obviously like you said my perspective is unique so you know, there have been a lot of things going out of proportion, in, in my opinion, and uh, maybe I'm a little biased, but I think that in every sport, the manager is hardly the the only problem. So, but I I think that that's, you know, that is what it is, um, and these are the way things are are taken. But you know, the one thing I'd say is that, you know, everybody wants to talk about, you know, these pay to play and things such as that, but what it comes down to is development of players and we have to really look, you know, hard and long at, at ourselves as a country and as federation, uh, as you know, individual clubs around the country, are they developing players that can play at an international level? Um, and, and obviously I think the talent pool has gone down, but I don't want to point fingers and say that's because of this or that. I just think that, you know, we're in a bit of a, a ebb and flow right now where, you know, hopefully we can take it back up, but development of players is how countries, you know, live and die. Right. Um, you saw it with, you know, kind of a golden generation for Croatia this, this year, and, um, everybody goes through it. And for us, we're such a big country that it's hard to, to really get a hold on every player and make sure we're getting it all right. But that's where it relies on little pockets and, and clubs around the country to do those jobs and help and, I think sometimes youth soccer gets so segregated where people want credit for developing this player or people want credit for doing this. And, you know, at the end of the day, we are all part of making sure that the national team and the first, the men's team, the women's team, whoever it is, is, 
is successful. And that's, that's just as much on, on us who are playing a role as it is on, you know, the people picking those players once they're professional. So for me, that's, that's the one thing I wish was getting a little more, a little more talking, uh, talking about than, than the other stuff, if you will. I like that you mentioned the women's game too, because that is something that I've been roasted about since, uh, Mm -hmm. since last October is that, you know, so much attention going into, you know, such a monumental election in 2018. Um, so much attention was just on that one game and it, and it was a men's game and it was, you know, a problem with, with the men's team that, you know, sparked Mm -hmm. so much outrage and things like that. And, And then I, it's been pointed out to me many times that, you know, like the ladies have just been sitting over here by, Hey guys, like we've been telling you stuff's wrong for a while. And, and, you know, yeah. here, here it happens to you guys. And now everybody, you know, flips, flips their lids, but you know, it was, it was kind of funny to not, I mean, it's not funny. I'm going to get roasted for that now too, that I'm making fun of them. But, <laughs> um, but it, it was just, uh, you know, f- for, for, you know, such a overreaction, I think, uh, in, in some mm-hmm. ways, you know, to, to one game and, and, uh, and something that, you know, everybody has a, a bunch of different opinions about. And then, and then the women are, are over there rightfully saying like, guys, like we've, we've been trying to raise the red flags on this for years. Like, come on yeah. get with the program. Yeah. yeah, For sure. For sure. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm obviously not directly in the women's game, but I have friends who are and people that I know and I, and I, I follow it to a certain degree. And, you know, I know there's been a lot of criticism of those national teams, maybe more specifically, you know, the youth levels, but yeah, look, development is development. And it's, it's, there's no, uh, there's no gender bias there for men and women. It has to be taken seriously. And, um, you know, we have to make sure that it's, it's correct from an early age and then all the way through college. And, and, you know, that's going to pay dividends long-term because when I, I think we're such a country in general that wants results now and we want, we want to get, we want to give a little to get a lot. You have to, with development of players, I believe you have to give a lot to probably get a little, you know, you're only going to get a couple of these players who can really play at an international level, men and women. Um, You know, the other ones hopefully can play in MLS and, and, you know, and the BSL or whatever it may be and help build that level because as that level grows, then the general, you know, pool of players should get better. And, um, you know, that's aside from the whole European debate if players should be there. But, you know, I, I hope you get what I mean in, in saying that, that as, as everything gets better, then the product gets better at the national team level. It's, it's For me, that seems like, you know, a somewhat simple way of putting it, but I, I, I really believe that that's the way it should be approached. Yeah, the the what's the quote like the, a rising tide lifts all boats? Is is that what it is? Sure. Yeah, something like that. Something <laughs> like that, right? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. No, and and yeah. and I I believe that too, and and you know I I look at it from a different perspective. Where I, I'm I'm not sure how much you know about me either, Ian, but um, but like I, I'm an I'm an advocate for promotion relegation, and and mainly mm-hmm. I focus on the promotion side of things. Like, hey, like you know if if you know, all these boats start to rise, like all these, you know, lower division clubs and everybody's kind of, you know, putting money in and investing money in, and they know that they have a chance to rise to the top. Well, that's going to make everything better. And and so I always try to look at it from, from that angle. And I try not to focus on, you know, the relegation or the negative side of, of things. And, and I, I like one thing that you mentioned just a second ago too, where, you know, maybe it's just going to be a handful of players that, you know, make it on to the national team and become the next stars. 
but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that you know that's not the like the byproduct isn't gonna be a hundred other players that are great for major league soccer or great for usl right. or great for another european league like you know that right. doesn't mean that you know it's just it, it it's just going to develop five players like you know 500 5000 yeah. whatever players could be developed from from you know a long term process if if it you know if if we do get our ducks in a row i guess is one way to put it but yeah so it was yeah, it was absolutely. those couple of things that where where my mind went yeah yeah no i i, to- I totally agree i totally agree with that well uh, I told you thir- between 30 and 45 minutes and we're at about 40 minutes. So I want to ask the question that I, I try to end every interview with, which is, um, yeah. what do people need to know? And before you answer, I'll give you a chance to think about that too, but you, you can, you can tackle that from, uh, any, any way that you want, whether it's, you know, being the national team coach's son, being a, a coach yourself, being a player, being a spectator, a fan, an American, whatever whatever you think that people need to know so what what do you think people need to know i like that question uh i would i would say to go along with the theme of how we started it that uh, people need to remember that uh, players and coaches and you know whoever affiliated with these clubs and organizations and national teams are are human beings and uh you know they're doing everything they can to be successful and, and make people proud of, uh, of being a fan. And, you know, I just hope that, uh, that people can be more cognizant of that as they go to criticize really quickly. Um, because, you know, players are, are, are people who read these things too, and it affects them. And, um, sometimes it's easy to just, to just spout off. So maybe, uh, maybe people need to know that, uh, that that's, that's the case and that they'll think uh, think a little bit hard uh, about the, about saying something publicly before they do oh i like that and i agree with it and i used to be one of those twitter i people will probably still say i, I am but i used to be a lot worse um you know to to jump on twitter and, and and criticize people but i've i'm trying to cut way back on on that and i've noticed a positive change in my own life since i've been doing that yeah. so yeah uh, yeah Maybe, maybe some advice for other people is, Hey, like if you're always negative on Twitter, you're probably not going to feel so great, you know, in your, in your personal life either. So, um, if yeah. you take some advice from me, it's going to make you feel better to not be so negative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, all right, man. Well, I appreciate you making time for me. I, I, I also, I'm curious, like, was there anything that you, that you thought I was going to ask or, or get into that we didn't or, or anything that you, that you particularly wanted to talk about that you didn't get a chance to? Uh, no, no, I, look, I, I just love, uh, I just love kind of spitballing about anything soccer wise or any experience that, you know, I've had that, uh, would be maybe neat to share. So no, nothing, nothing specifically, but I'm always happy to talk about anything. I think it's, uh, I think it's great to, to do these, to just grow the game and continue to get people, you know, informed on things they may not have known. So yeah, no, if there's anything, anything else you can think of, feel free, but, uh, yeah, no, not specifically. Cool. Um, well, well one thing I want to make sure I mentioned too, um, well, I, I want people to, to know where they can find you or, or, or connect with you because I connected with you through, what I, I think is like a, a, some type of a service or a blog. Um, and I, yeah. I want to make sure you mention you mentioned that. And then, um, obviously I Definitely. want people to be able to reach out to you on Twitter. So where can people find you and, and what else you're up and everything else that you're up to? Sorry. 
Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, Twitter, it's just at Ian Serkin, uh, all one word. And then uh, I also, as you mentioned, uh, have started kind of a, I don't know if it's a service, a blog, whatever, it's, it's going to fall <laughs> into category-wise. But it's, uh, it's called Coach in Full, coachinfull.com, and uh, Twitter's at coach uh, underscore in underscore full. Uh, and really, it's just a, that's, that's a platform that I started kind of out of a passion project uh, to help coaches around the country and friends of mine and share things, whether it's book recommendations or blogs and, uh, you know, whatever. I, I, I really think it's important to, to connect with other coaches and, and share thoughts and ideas. And so I hope that that continues to grow and, uh, you know, people have ideas. I'd love to, love to hear that. Um, I think it needs to be something that's collaborative. So, uh, yeah, any, any feedback is, is great. All right, cool. Well, I'll make sure I link to that in the write-up of this podcast and people will be able to connect with you, man. I hope that, uh, I hope that something good comes from this podcast and, and you, uh, you make some good connections and people collaborate with you as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, uh, I appreciate you having me on. I, I really enjoyed doing it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 Podcast. And thank you to my guest, Ian Sarakin, for coming on and sharing his perspective on American soccer and coaching and the men's national team and all sorts of things. I hope that you guys enjoyed listening to him and that conversation that we had. And I hope to have many more conversations similar to that in the future. But if you want to find more conversations like that from the past, you can find those on 343coaching.com. And that is also where you can go to support and help fund this podcast by partaking in one of our online courses. We offer a premium course and we also offer a free course. So either one of those you can check out. And to talk a little bit about his experience with one of our online courses, here is Tom Beyer, a name that you might be familiar with. And I can tell you, after someone who's done a lot of coaches' education, both as a student and as an instructor, that you will learn more by watching one or two of their videos that you might learn on any full-time course. Because the, the one thing that I like about what they're presenting is, again, it's simplicity, man. It's very simple. It's not a lot of, you know, complicated words. It makes sense, and it goes right directly to the heart of, of, of the game on, on, on how, to, how to develop, um, not just you know, individual players, but develop teams as well. Once again, if you would like to find more information about 343 and to help support and fund this podcast that you are listening to right now, you can visit 343coaching.com. That's the numbers, 343coaching, all spelled out, dot com. All right, we will catch you guys next time here on the 343 Podcast. Thank you for listening.